The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. This week's episode of PSVG Prime is brought to you by the amazing people over at patreon.com slash PSVG. Thank you to all of our Patreon producers, especially Edwin Callow, Barry Cathcart, Josh Bonesaw, Barboni, Coach Mo, Dev Tyus, Chris Mc- McElfresh, Devin Tyus, Kyle Heyman, Paul Calico, and our newest supporter, Michael Masick. So thank you, everybody, in case you aren't aware, but by now you really, really should be, because I say almost the same thing every week. But if you give us just a dollar to Patreon, that's all we ask for. Just one dollar gets you access to our exclusive uh, RSS feed for all of our PSVG DLC shows, which includes the main DLC show, Arcadia Academia, Bored with Everything, uh, shoot, we have Seth's Book Club thing going, we have Kevin Hates Everything is up there, and we have our newest uh, show, Exhausted. The Fast and Furious Retrospective, which came out with the first movie, and we'll be recording the second one next week uh, as we go on our mission to get through all of the Fast and Furious movies and give our thoughts before the new one drops. But to get access to that, as well as our patron chat room in the Discord, the Battle Pass, and our undying love and eternal gratitude, head on over to patreon.com slash fluxthepose. Wait, no. No, don't give them money. Don't give them anyway. Patreon.com slash PSVG. But now, on to this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to PSVG Prime, the flagship show of the PSVG Podcast Network and the only gaming podcast that's darker than the Batman screen test. It is I, your host, Kevin. With me is the, I was going to say Robin, but I don't like Robin, so he is the Nightwing to my Dark Knight, Mr. Lucas Rose. I'll agree with that. You know, it's way, it's uh, way better. It, it is. It is. I mean, has Robin had a good costume at all, ever? Uh, I mean,. Red Robin now essentially is okay. Red Robin. Yum. That's that need I say more. <laughs> I mean Robin in uh what was it? A Batman it's Batman Robin, the movie with the bat nipples. That might have oh, been yeah. the best Robin suit, I guess. Probably. It's just all black. <laughs> yes. All black all the time. No more green, yellow, and red. Pick a color. Come on. It was the dark mode of Robin suits, if you if you will. That's where I thought you were going with the intro. Is <laughs> the darkest dark mode? <laughs> oh no, that would have been fitting too. No, um, but yeah, yeah. How you doing, man? How you holding up? I'm doing okay. I'm doing yeah. okay. I've man doing these workouts have been kicking my butt, and also uh, getting in a little bit of that VR that I'm going to talk about in a little bit has also surprisingly kicked my butt. So now when you do an intense day of VR, kind of like you did today, do you still do ring fit or do you just say that was my workout? Cause I was going to today, but I was already sore from yesterday from doing both. And then today I, I was toying with the idea of taking a break. And then I ended up playing VR, even though I told myself I wasn't going to. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, definitely not going to work out today. Because you don't want to strain those muscles, man. No, because then you can't play VR the next day. That's right. Right. Uh, you you sprain your VR muscle, and then you yes. can't flex it. So it's true. It's true. How are you gonna play? Exactly. Exactly. But let's let's talk about these games. Let's talk about what we've been playing. Um, sure. 
I'm going to go first this week because I don't have a whole lot to say, I think. A saucy so, pick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, number one, I picked up the Division 2 on that super sweet deal of paying a whole two ninety nine for it <laughs> the day before they announced the expansion um, with hopes that, you know, we can play it with some of the folks in the community and on PSVG because I think, like, a bunch of people have this game already. Anyway, it's just a matter of syncing up, which, you know, that rarely happens anyway. But if it does, great. If not, everyone says that this one's much easier to play solo than the last one was. So I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, I booted it up this morning, only played through the intro because I didn't have a ton of time with it. Uh, so far, really digging it. Um, graphically, it looks great. Um, it's more division action. The gunplay feels tight. Um, you're in Washington, D.C., so it's a little bit of a brighter environment than New York was. New York was very dark. Um, D.C. is a little bit lighter, so it uh, it looks a bit more accurate, I think. Like, it's not just eternal night, you know. New York just seemed dark and dreary, but Washington <laughs> seems Gotham pretty. City. Exactly, exactly. So... <laughs> Um, it, it's pretty good. I mean, these these gang, I guess you could say, the the jackals. I think I think that's what they're called. I played um, the game and I don't even remember. I think it's yeah. The rival gang is invading DC and you're you're fending them off. But so far, I like it. Um, looking forward to diving more into it. But it definitely definitely worth that three bucks. So if you haven't picked it up, go snag it. I think it's three dollars on every console: PC, PS4, Xbox, everywhere. I wish they had crossplay. That would be the ultimate. I think everyone thought they were going to announce that too, and instead they dropped that DLC instead the warriors of new york or whatever it is so you, you're gonna go back to new york anyway but um i may jump on the passes as i play through the game i don't know like uh it's i guess it just depends on how much this sinks into me whether or not i want to keep playing after beating the campaign or if i'm good mm-hmm. um but yeah i like it uh other game uh we picked up was uh at donnie's encouragement was undead army 4 <laughs> <laughs> so the name of it i think it's undead army right the undead Nazi army or something? No, no, no. The, they are Nazis, but that has not, that's not in the title. Oh, okay. Surprising. I'm just making sure it's not zombie army. I don't think it is. It's, 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 the, ti- it's the type of title that uh, shows would make fun of video games for having. You oh, I mean? absolutely. Like, generic title. It is zombie army for. <laughs> so zombie army for dead war is what it's called oh gosh so it's kind of i was kind of merging the names there um you're right 100 at face value sounds like a game that people would make fun of like bart would be playing that in the arcade on the simpsons like, <laughs> yeah because they yes, always have like exactly. blood fest 27 you know it's <laughs> yeah. one of those things um basically premise of the game and apparently the three before it that i never played was uh hitler has zombies and he makes that an army and you're fighting them that's hmm. pretty much all it is but it plays uh, just like Left 4 Dead. So it's like campaign-based, like map-based, mission-based. Um, so you're dropped into like a certain area. You make your way doing different objectives till you get to the end. And then that's it for that scene. And then it goes on to another scene. Um, so there is a story loosely. Really doesn't matter. Like I jumped in on the second mission with Donnie. I never even mm-hmm. played the first mission yet. Um, but I was able to figure it out. But it's it's a you know looter shooter. You run through. You, you have your loadout. You can upgrade it in certain safe rooms along the way to make enhancements to your guns or swap out your guns uh, and equipment, grenades, trip mines. They have like uh, laser wires that will cause explosions and electrocutions and stuff like that. Um, it's surprisingly good for a game with this weird type of name <laughs> that you never hear anybody say. It looks great. It runs great. And it's it's honestly, it's left for dead. It really is. Um, people can drop in and out of your game. So like Donnie had to create a public game and then invite me to it. So we started playing with just the two of us, and then a third person jumped in. So we're like, okay, we didn't know the person. They just jumped into our game. And then later on, a fourth person jumped into our game. So like, I think Donnie said he thinks up to six people can actually do it. Oh, wow. Um, 
but it's a lot of fun. It's just, you know, hordes of zombies coming through, some bigger than others, some, you know, with guns, some without guns. You know, they all have these different capabilities, but it's just uh, a wave after wave of army uh, army zombie shooters. But it's fun. I'm surprised at how historically accurate it is as well. I mean, Hitler had zombies, right? Yeah. I mean, I at mean, least he was trying to. You, you know he was trying to, at least. I learned most of my stuff about World War II and uh, out of Wolf, Castle Wolfenstein. So. Yeah, I heard that's pretty accurate, this um, Man in the High Castle. Yeah. That's historically accurate. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a surprisingly good game. It's 50 bucks, um, so it's not even the full 60 retail. Um, it'll probably drop in price, I would imagine, because, like I said, I don't think a lot of people know about this. The only people playing are me, Donnie, and, like, Luke Lore. Um, that, <laughs> and that's those about other it. two guys that you played. <laughs> yeah, those other two random people. But, I mean, there, there actually was, because um, you can view that there are people. There is a, a, a rabid online community for this. It may not be giant, but the people that are into this game apparently are really into this game. So, um, it's worth a shot if you're interested. Last thing I'm playing is uh, Wargroove which I'm yeah. playing courtesy of uh, gamesreviews.com. That's my next assignment is Wargroove. So I've been playing that for about a week. I think I started the day after our last podcast. Uh, I really like this game, Lucas. This is uh, basically for people who aren't familiar or on the fence. If you played Advance Wars on like the Game Boy Advance, it is exactly like that. But instead of modern military, it's medieval. Oh. So it's not like a lot of people will instantly jump and say, hey, it's like the, the Fire Emblem games. It's not because the Fire Emblem games, you control like one single person. Like uh, you have your if your military base of people and you'll have like, you know, this guy who happens to have a bow, this one happens to have an axe. With Advanced Wars and Wargroove, you get one person who's like the commander of the field and they have like special abilities that they can do, like a super move. Like one person can heal a whole area. One person can encourage people to take two moves instead of one. Mm. Um, but all the other people are just soldier platoons. So you can have like swordsmen, archers. But instead of just being one character, as they do combat, it's actually like four or five of them. So, like, it, as you get killed, like, if you go into a match and you go against, like, let's say, archers against pikemen, if you're up close, the pikemen are going to annihilate your archers. Your archers can, sure, they can hit them with the bow, but it's not going to do as much damage. So, the right. pikemen will hit them. You might lose three of your archers, so your attack back is far weaker than what it would have been had you had all five of your guys. Hmm. So, it's not just the rock, paper, scissors combat that we see that triangle. It's a little bit more because it still has that, but it also matters how many people are left in your platoon for that character. Um, so it's gotcha. a little bit more detailed, I think. Um, obviously, Advanced Wars wasn't as popular as Fire Emblem was because they stopped making them. Um, but for anybody that did play those games, this is a lot of fun. It's it's still military. Not military. It's still um, fantasy. So it's more Fire Emblem as far as the characters because um, there's no guns or anything of that nature, at least not yet that I've experienced. But it's a lot of fun. There is a, a pretty decent story that I'm interested in about a, uh, a princess whose you know father was killed. He was the king, and she suddenly got thrown into queendom, but she was training to be a warrior her entire life. So now she's on the run with her uh, people trying to keep them safe and protected while this other kind of uh, country invaded them and kind of took over. So they're trying to build up their army to go back and defend and take back their land. So it's pretty cool. They're, they're engaging other cultures, so it's not just humans. Um, I fought some vampires at one point. Um, <laughs> there's like a forest, like tree, like people kind of like root. Um, there's mm. a race of those type of people. So it, it's pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. Um, I know the game has been out for a while, but the reason I have it now is because a new expansion came out that, you know, adds co-op and there's additional story modes to it and stuff like that. So 
um so far so good really enjoying it um that review will probably be up by the time anybody hears this maybe the day after um because and i didn't put this on the list here the next one i will be reviewing i already have it is dreams on playstation so that if you're not familiar lucas that's the game that you can create games in it Oh, I remember talking about this. And we've seen briefly. some like hyper realistic art that like, hey, this was created in dreams. And we've seen like those things for the beta yeah. test for like the last couple of months. The full version drops tomorrow as we're recording this on Valentine's Day. Um, so I will be diving into that. Now, I, I wrote kind of an editorial that is up already um, that kind of talks about why I'm excited for this. And it, it's more because I want to see the creativity of what people did. Because yeah. while I consider myself to be a creative person, I don't have the motivation to do these things. Like, hence why I won't even attempt Mario Maker or like any of that kind of stuff. I don't mess with any of those, uh, you know, level editors or anything in any game, period. Um, but I do want to see what other people can do. And I will be kind of digging in to see how hard it is to create something and how much, you know, how, how many tools they give you to create something with. Like, can it really be done by an average Joe, or does it really take somebody with some know-how and, and knowledge to actually make something effective? So I'll be testing all that, and I should be able to talk about that next week. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, I'd be curious as somebody who would like to create, but if it's – there's a huge learning curve that usually turns me off pretty quickly because I'm like, I, I don't have time for this anymore. Right. I can't sit here and watch a 20-video playlist on YouTube about how to start in, in this game or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as for me, yes, I, I alluded, I played a lot of VR, and I'm going to start with that. And okay. the first game I played was one that I picked up for free, actually, thanks to Donnie. He had tipped me off that this game was free for some reason. I don't know if it was an accident or what. Yeah, it was really short, limited time, too, because like other yeah. people couldn't get it. Like Right after you, people couldn't get it anymore, so I don't, yeah. I don't know what it was. It was on sale after, like, when I checked it out again, because people were saying they couldn't get it. It was on sale, but it hmm. w- wasn't free. Had to be um, an error. Well, I got it, and I'm happy, because uh, if you don't know what Moss is, well, I knew somewhat about it, because when we had our little VR chats on the show here and there, uh, people would say, like, Moss was a hmm. really good experience for them. Um, and uh, if you don't know what the game is, you you basically control this little mouse character and uh, you play like you are represented as this mask that kind of floats above the world. And you, you look down at the world almost like it's a diorama mm-hmm. or a tabletop kind of, which is really cool uh, sort of limited aspect because then you, you can kind of like crouch or, um, you know, look around, not crouch, um, lean over things and just get a good view of what you're looking at. It, which will really help you as you're platforming. Um, so you play as this floating mask. You can control this mouse and uh, you're able to also be able to uh, manipulate the environment. So there might be these little blocks that you can push or pull that allow the mouse to be able to platform throughout the stage. You can jump and uh, jump on the block. Then you might have to push it later so that it creates a bridge on the other side of a log or something like that. So uh, along with that, there is some very uh, simple fighting as well, Um, or at least fighting or simple so far. I haven't been able to get too far into the game, so I'm going to uh, not really comment on the quality or, or, you know, give it a score or anything like that. But uh, so far it is pretty cool actually there's a little bit of lore to the world as well. Like you, you're called a reader because you start 
by reading this book and it tells you what the story is up to this point. And so you're referred to as a reader and there's been more than one in this world. So I, I'm not really sure exactly what's going on. Uh, you're, you're like collecting bits of shards of glass or something that are magic, something like that. I don't know. I don't really remember. Magic um, glass. Oh yeah. yeah. Magic glass. Yes, sir. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's kind of enchanting, really cool. Uh, kind of reminds me of, that comic Mouse Guard, I think it's called, something like that. Yeah, um, somewhat like Mice and Mystics. And, Mice and Mystics, yeah. yeah I know Kyle and Josh have talked a lot about it, too, and its similarities. Yeah, so very, very cute, very fun. And you can pet the mouse. I was curious about that. I played Aww. for a little while, and then I was like, because they have these little details where the mouse will kind of look up at you and, and notice kind of what you're doing. So I'm like, I wonder if I can touch it. So, you know, sure enough, I was able to give it a little pet and mm-hmm. and, and stuff. So very fun. Very cute. Um, the next game I played, these these next two, actually, I ended up streaming over on Flux Deposed on <laughs> yeah, Twitch. <you> and <laughs> the first one was Gorn. I actually suggested this for our 2019 VR yep. uh, best of list and it didn't win but i think that's because no one ever played it but i knew it was supposed to be really good and i hadn't even played it but i was looking forward to it and i picked up both of these games and quite a few more vr games in a humble bundle and i believe it might be their very first vr humble bundle i don't think i've ever seen one before that seems to be yeah i they asked for some feedback uh, a while ago and i had mentioned that if they could include more VR games in like the monthly thing. That would be nice. I know they can't always do it, but even if, so it was nice to see that they were at least trying to cater to the audience. Right. And there were a lot of games that I was looking either knew about or were planning on buying. And these were two of them. The first one again, being Gorn, which is basically a first person melee game where you, you fight in an arena and you have to fight with the different weapons that are provided to you. And so it's kind of a challenge because you'll do one thing, you'll do one fight with a, a spiked mace or a hammer, and then the next one you'll have a katana or something uh, like a cutting weapon. There's even claws uh, like Wolverine that retract. Hmm. Um, a really stupid. <laughs> there's this really stupid uh, weapon that is basically a. Uh, frisbee with bladed edges i can't remember the name for it but uh, you have to throw it and they give you thankfully they give you these chains that you can like shoot out to retrieve the disc you don't actually have to like walk over to it to pick it up even though you could um and you're able to freely move about which is nice because usually you're in a lot of vr games you're kind of stuck in place because they don't really know how to handle movement still um but yeah, so there's some challenge to it. In later stages, you have to like break off the armor pieces before you can kill enemies. And uh, the hammers, the blunt weapons tend to do a little bit better at that. So there's some strategy to it. And of course, you can, you know, dismember people. <laughs> As <laughs> <You> we can, <laughs> saw. <laughs> yes, you can chop off their their arms and legs and heads and all sorts of things. It gets pretty pretty bloody. It's not well, very the, realistic though. The so best clip I saw was you you stab somebody and you're like, oh, there's his heart because it <laughs> yes. would shoot you like 30 feet in the air. I was so like, what? They do have two-handed weapons, which are kind of weird because all the weapons are floppy, but you can, um, like if it's a two-handed weapon, you have to use both hands and it kind of scales the grip along with how you move your arms depending on how far apart your arms are. So it looks really weird. And then, so I'm using this two handed spear and I stab a guy because you know, it's a stabbing weapon 
and I kind of must have like flicked it up, almost like a fishing pole, like you're going oh, to um, okay, yeah, reel yeah. in a catch. Yeah. And uh, it flinged his heart straight up. It's uh, a highlight that I posted, I think, somewhere um, on that Twitch channel and in the Discord. But yeah, it was friggin' hilarious. Now, the weapons, so you said, you know, there's different weapons they give you. Is it like Hunger Games style? Like, hey, here's our pile of weapons, go and grab whatever you can and attack, or is it you given a specific one each time? No, you're given, it, it drops from a crate overhead okay. and uh, breaks open, and uh, the guy will be like, take your weapon, and then you'll see what it is, and then you just lift it up in the air. You can pick up weapons that are dropped by other people, although they will disappear eventually. Um so you're not like if you drop them, it doesn't automatically lose them match for you. But you always start with something specific. OK. Um, but, yeah, it's a lot of physics based fun, a lot of stupidity. It got pretty challenging towards the end. And one of the things I was surprised about is usually with melee, since there's no weight to what you're doing, you, you know, you get this giant hammer or whatever. And since it's there's no weight or physics really to it, yeah. you just kind of flop it around as fast as you can and you'd think you'd be able to cheat the system but there does seem to be some kind of um velocity to it because it knows if you're just kind of rotating your wrist around and just flopping it around Eh. (laughs) yeah basically eh. doing the weakest of hits yeah you won't be able to break armor in one hit okay like you can if you actually do almost a full swing yeah so they can't make you feel the weight you at least have to show the force that you're putting in as if it did have a weight to it exactly exactly so Um, have have your your daughter i know she's she's super tiny but have her like tape a broom to your hands as you're playing vr then to give you more that mm, that yeah oh that's a good that's a good hack right there because not being able to see my surroundings and then having a broom attached to my hand is probably <laughs> make sure you have the camera on while you stream it. That's all that's I'm saying. That's true. That's Just true. Saying. There's there's two t- twofold fun mm-hmm. to be had there. Mm-hmm. Um, None by you, but by everybody else. Really. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So speaking of which, I did accidentally uh, chop the ceiling yet again, and oh. as opposed to aiming upward, this time I actually punched the ceiling with my hand. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, but do, yeah. you have pot, do you have like what's your ceiling like made of? Uh, is it a drop wall. ceiling? Oh no, no okay, it's so drywall. Like, yeah. Do you have like the popcorn finish or like any textured finish to it? No, just, thankfully, because oh, otherwise I my do skin. in my basement. So that was, and I've done it before. Not while well, doing that, but like just randomly, something will happen. I'll hit it, and like it just cuts, and you just bleed. Like, oh, oh yeah, I would, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, no, thankfully, that is not the case. So, yeah, Gorn, a lot of fun. If you're interested in it, go check out uh, the Flux Depose Twitch and you can see some gameplay or just Google it or whatever. Uh, but, it, yeah, had me laughing, that's for sure. <laughs> me too. Uh, <laughs> the, other, the other game that wasn't quite as fun to watch, I don't think, but it was fun to play. It's called Super Hot VR. They have a non-VR version of this game, but I can't yeah. imagine how it must play because... It seems like it was made with VR in mind. I think um, everyone thought this. Like the first time I saw Super Hot, I was like, "Oh, this this is a VR game." And then it's like, "No, it wasn't." And I'm like, "Really? It's it's on every console, I think, too." Yeah, it's been in like tons of humble bundles and stuff. You see, it's on sale all the time, and I'm just like, it, "I never was tempted to to try it." I think ever, but yeah. in VR, they're yeah, right. It sounds like it'd be good. Well, and I owned it for I owned the regular Super Hot version through Humble Bundle, and I was like, "I'm not." gonna play it this way i'd rather just wait until i get vr sometime and they do they give you a discount but it's not it's like a 20 percent discount off the regular price right for owning the original the non-vr version but i was like yeah 
I'll wait for it to go on sale more. So if you're not familiar with Super Hot VR, it's kind of a first-person shooting game. You can't really move around. You're stuck where you are, but you can take a few steps within your actual environment to, to gain uh, some area back because you're you're picking up weapons and and whatnot and so you kind of have to be able to move a little bit to to reach some of the stuff um and your whole purpose is that you're going through these little mini missions and each one puts you in a different spot almost like a snapshot of what's going on within this mission and uh for instance it'll be themed as like a Air, an airplane hijack or something right. like that. Uh, and you have to kill all these little red, well, not little, they're the same size as you, but they're like red glass people. They shatter when you, when you hit them and they're trying to kill you. But the whole thing is that time doesn't move unless you move, but that's not a hundred percent true because if you shoot a gun, it makes the time accelerate as soon as you pull the trigger. I've noticed. So well, somebody well, I mean, technically you're moving because you made the bullet go. That True, true. But I mean, it's like an abrupt, like, oh, okay. um, yeah, yeah. it's gotten me killed a couple of times because we would shoot it. They would shoot slightly first and then I'd shoot and it would be like a shotgun where it just blasts, blasts me away. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you would think that would be kind of cool. And it is. It's kind of matrixy. But the problem is that sometimes you're kind of waiting for someone to get closer and since you don't really have anything to do, I've noticed I just kind of like if I if I only have my fists, I'll kind of do the uh, the old boxer <laughs> sort of like yeah. move my hands back and forth. Come on, mate. Let's fight. Uh, put just get, yeah, put them up. Put up your dukes just to uh, get the like the Notre Dame mascot. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. to get the uh, the time moving, because otherwise, what am I going to do? Squats or something? No. <laughs> Uh, so that I got ring fit for that. Exactly. Exactly. So you can punch things, you, you can throw things, you can shoot. And every time you, you kill somebody and they have a weapon in their hand, it'll pop up and kind of come towards you so that you can grab it out of the air and start, you know, killing fools. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, so there's been some interesting scenarios like you'll you'll start in one spot and it's called it'll say like it's hammer time and you just have like three hammers in front of you and you have to pick them up and throw them. Uh, and so throwing in this game seems to work a little bit better than it did in Gorn, but uh, it still could be a little bit frustrating at times. It's it's not so much the how far you can throw things; it's more like the aim I've noticed is is a lot more tough than you would expect. So, hmm. um. But yeah, that game had me crouching, dodging, dip, dive, dodge, the the other ones, dip, and dip, uh, dive, dodge, dodge. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I was sweating, dude. I was working up a sweat. I think this one worked me out even more than Gorn did. So it was pretty. It was pretty fun. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't know how much fun it was to watch because uh, there would be like five sets of things you had to do, and if you if you screwed up the fourth. Uh, mini mission in the set you had to go all the way back to the first one and start all over again so a little bit of memorization involved there too so but i I really had a lot of fun with it it was it was a lot of fun it could have done with some like music to really pump up the the adrenaline a little bit but uh, other than that it was it was all right so uh lastly uh ukulele in the impossible lair yeah i played a little bit of uh i got this from the library and uh, playing it on Switch. And I oh, know okay. you played this, so I'm not going to go into too much yeah. detail about what it is. But 
I do find it interesting that you have to like collect all of these bees so that you essentially have more hit points to go mm-hmm. through this impossible layer. Like that's kind of an interesting yeah. uh, prospect that you can go to that anytime you want and give it a shot. I mean, they make you in the first level, like right off the bat, you, you yeah, go into it. And that's true. That's when you realize like, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> also, it was kind of confusing as someone who's only barely played the first game. I feel like it just starts right up where the last one, where the first one left off. I didn't so, even play the first one. So it was like, I just, I jump right into this. Yeah, so. exactly. It does feel like you're jumping in the middle of it, but it's not like so deep that you don't know what's going on. It's yeah. just kind of like, whoa, things are happening already. A um, couple things. I do find the momentum to be a little bit tough to get used mm-hmm. to. Uh, there seems to be a little bit more uh, kind of build up and uh, gradual release of the running and stuff yes. like that. It, it's a little bit less on the nose than uh mario or something like that there, there yeah, just it seems to be a little bit more momentum it's definitely more like if you play donkey Kong country that's how those were like donkey yeah, Kong was a heavy true. character and it just was like all right if you start running you can't stop on a dime it always has like that little bit of a slide going on like it's not just an instant turn on a dime thing that mario uh spoiled us with yeah that's a good analogy um I also have a I'm having trouble with the rolling mechanic because I can't seem to stop it when I want to or it ends up getting me hit for some yep. reason. Same, same. Um so yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one dealing with these problems, but everything else seems to be solid and mm-hmm. the way that uh the the world on the outside affects the levels that you play, the chapters uh is kind of cool too. So they they do have some interesting things going on in this game that uh, even though i didn't play the first one that much it seems like there's more going on in this game than in the first one and i think that really works in its favor Uh, i need to play more of it so i can really speak more to the game because i've only played like three or four chapters out of the game so three or four levels Uh, but uh so far i'm enjoying it enough to keep going Uh, so I'll see if it holds my attention, but again, this is one of those games that I can play with the family around and don't have to worry about, you know, what's going on in it. So, uh, that's kind of the function that it serves at this point. So, yeah, totally. And, and some of the, the overworld puzzles you end up having to do as you get farther, some of them are a little bit not obtuse, but you may not necessarily know what you're supposed to do. So you find yourself kind of walking around be like, right, I don't know where I'm supposed to go now. And let's mm. like, I had some of that problems as I was playing it. Um, I didn't finish it though either. And I kind of like, I think something else just came along and I was like, okay, I gotta go play this now. Like, and I just kind of walked away from it, but yeah, um, I enjoy it. Yeah. I could see that being easy to do. I did the same thing with um, Donkey Kong tropical freeze. Yeah. It was like, I played it for a while and then I was like, all right, like, I, I don't think I'm that much of a fan of platforming games is the problem. Yeah. I'm not either. So, so, but yeah, that's everything I played. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, that, that's enough from us. It's time to check out what you guys have to say. So let's check out the messages. Message for you, sir. First one comes from Kaiju Box. Kaiju over in the Discord. What are your thoughts on the state of the illustrated storytime YouTube genre? <laughs> so I did not know this was a thing. I didn't either. Um, I knew that there were, there's always these things as a parent who has a daughter, who has a tablet, who watches YouTube. I pay attention when this thing's like, hey, this Peppa Pig video was disguised, you know, about killing themselves and stuff like that. And yeah. So, like, I hear about those things. Um, this I didn't hear. Um, so, I did do a little research, Lucas. I don't know if you did. 
I did. I watched the video that he posted. Okay, I didn't watch that one. I googled, and apparently there's a whole YouTube channel that's called Illustrated Storytime, and it's all of these types of things. Oh boy. Okay. Um. So the one I watched, um, which I kind of just skimmed through because they're like 20 minutes long in some cases, and I'm like, oh, I'm not geez. watching all this. No. Um, it was a story and they're all, they're all based as if somebody's telling you a story of something that really happened to them. And that's kind of where it starts off kind of innocent. So the one I saw was like, I was hiding in my crush's locker. Weird already though. <laughs> yep. It's still, still weird. Um, and the story was there's this girl, she really likes this guy, but he doesn't seem to like her. So she kind of just, you know, crushes on him, watches him from afar, this and that. And she heard a bunch of guys talking about her. So she followed them into the boy's locker room which is where it gets weird so they go in the shower and she goes and hides in his locker and now why this was a good plan i don't know like if you're in the shower you're going to go back to your to locker, locker. <laughs> yeah so she realizes what she did wrong and kind of starts to freak out and then all of a sudden it turns really dark and he kidnaps her and takes her to a cabin and makes her live there and they fake her death like and they, they, <laughs> they talk about a night the stories on like facebook of people trying to find her and he won't let her leave and what? It, like, dude it got so messed up and i'm like oh my god sounds and like it, a creepy pasta or something yeah that's exactly what it is it's basically that so like it gets it look and it looks like a daria cartoon like that's the animations that reminded me of that oh my god so it looks innocent on the top level but then you're like oh my god and then they just kind of portray itself like, oh, this really happened to me. And then it gets really, really dark halfway through. <laughs> so uh, my thoughts, I'm extremely disturbed by it. Um, I guess I can understand why some people might like to read them because people like creepypastas, people like urban legends. This is just a really weird take on it because you're watching what appears to just be a cartoon and it yeah. just gets dark. So it's weird. Yeah, it is. Not weird. a fan. Hashtag not a fan. <laughs> I thought when he was talking about this, this was... Uh, like when I was watching more YouTube, people were doing the my life in drawings type mm-hmm. thing where they just have a whiteboard. So I thought that's what this was. So then I watched the the YouTube video that Kaiju posted and I made it about two minutes. So I got to see what he was talking about. And I hated every second of what I was yeah. watching. Oh, yeah. Now, granted, the guy in the video was actually making fun of these things, too. But what he was showing as examples, I'm just like, what? is this it, it it's like these just, just weird who knows who made them random videos that surface on the uh, youtubes and i'm just like oh my gosh this is everything wrong with youtube right here <laughs> oh yeah it's terrible like it i don't know i don't know it's just messed up so the the channel it's my story animated that's the channel on YouTube, if people are interested, there's 325 videos currently, and it's it's described as a digital platform that provides people with the opportunity to share their most interesting and life changing stories through the world. But they're, I think they're all go really weird and dark. How many viewers? How many subscribers do you think they have, Lucas? Oh gosh, subscribers. Um, mm-hmm. Subscribers is usually more than the viewers. Um, gosh, I hope it's less than a million. I'll say a million. 2.63 million. Oh my gosh. That's and the views on there are like 15 million, 11 million views, 10 million views. What? Wow. <laughs> what? Why? It's not even a like it's not even animated that well. 
No. Like, there's ones here. Like, I found out why my mother keeps losing her underwear. I woke up in the woods with no clothes and alone. I've been in a coma for years, but I could hear everything. Like, these are the videos. I hated my daughter until I found out the truth. Like, what? I, I... Disturbing, Kaiju. Disturbing. Very disturbing. I'm sorry that you had to see that. And I don't blame you for asking us what we think about it, because you need to know it is disturbing. Although, although he saw it, and then he made us have to see it. And now none of us can unsee it. Does that mean we have to show to other people, or else Or we die, die in ten days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yep. exactly. Um, next question from comes from Kabowski. He says, happy anniversary to the PSVG fam, which I also forgot to mention. Uh, Lucas, this is the, the five year, the beginning of year five with this podcast you're on right now. Wow. Yeah. This is how we're celebrating that? Yep. Okay. Just just a regular episode of Cool Guys. Okay. Um, I'm down. Yeah. With you having shows that cover topics like Nintendo, PlayStation, board games, so on and so forth, what topic would you like for PSVG to have a show on to cover? So, Lucas, we don't have enough shows here on PSVG. No. What would be the next subject for a PSVG show? Ooh. Let's see. Well, we've got video games. We've got board games. We've got, like, kind of a slice of life storytelling. I think we should go – I'm going to go left field. I think we should do a sex education show. Oh. <laughs> Wait, why? Why not? I'm, very okay. educational. Very educational though. Like not – because you – I mean we could be doing a great service for people because these public schools aren't going to do it. They're not doing a good job of – you should have saw the sex education I had in high school. Oh, it's terrible. I think we could do a pretty good job factual and we'll be serious about it too it won't be joke it won't be all jokes like this show so no bananas and condoms no actual diagrams (laughs) from from textbooks (laughs) um, i mean based on what's been talked about on the dlc shows i feel like it's a natural oh god yeah you're right i didn't think of that i didn't that didn't occur to me um i guess for me i'm trying to think of what would be the most practical thinking of what psvg does i would say to have a dedicated pc slash vr show yeah would make the most sense the the issue is and it's not really an issue because of kind of how we divide our team is that sometimes there's an overlap like i might talk about something then psxp talks about it and then like board with video games talks about it so it's like you get that but at least you're getting it from different perspectives Mm -hmm. um and i mean let's be honest this has become the the only show that really talks about pc stuff uh, other than stadia of course um which that's i think going away um that makes the most sense to me what would i like to do i think if we want to do something weird and different kind of along the lines of what you were saying would be and i people have joked about this before but i think like kyle and i would do a food show (laughs) yeah i could see that doing something like that i think would be would be kind of fun to see um i feel like we get lots of questions for that show (laughs) like because that seems it's to be the true. questions we get without asking for food related questions. We get that a lot. So, um, yeah, I think that would be what I what I would like to do versus what I think would be the most practical. Mine fits for both, really. Yes. Yes. Obviously. That's true. Uh, and then Super Nintendo sends in two questions. Uh, first one alludes to the joke at the top of the show is, what do you think of the new Batman costume that we saw in the camera test? So if you haven't seen it, uh, Matt Reeves posted a camera test of the Batman costume. Uh, and it does appear to be, um, I can't think of his real name now because I make fun of who he is all the time now. Oh. Um, <laughs> I think Edward from Twilight and Cedric Patrick, Diggory from Harry Potter. Patrick uh, something or other. I'll look it up. Okay. 
Um, it is him in the suit, so it's not just that. I don't know why I'm blanking too. Robert Pattinson. Patrick. Pattinson. Okay, so that's what that's where the Pat came from. I was like, Patrick yeah. doesn't sound right. So Robert Pattinson, uh, in suit. It, it's really dark at first, and it goes on for like thirty seconds without you seeing anything. So I thought he was trolling us at first. Yeah. Um, and then you do see the suit come into to view, and then eventually it pans up to his head, so you see the the cowl part. Um, so you do get a decent glance at it. Um, I liked what I saw. I think surprisingly he looks better in the suit than I thought he would. Mm-hmm. Um, because to me, and it still is a little bit weaker. He doesn't have that big, like strong jaw, jaw that I think that, of with Batman. Yeah. Like he doesn't have that, but I know he's playing a younger Bruce Wayne. So I guess it makes sense. Um, the suit appears to be a little more armorish and like high tech, techish, almost like Arkham Knight style versus, um, what we've seen with like, you know, the, the traditional Batman movies and the Nolan movies. Like it, it looks different than that. Um, the one thing I will say, we don't see any color, so we have no idea if it's all just black or what that is. It's too dark to tell. Um, the cowl part looks good. The bat insignia to me seemed a little off. Like I know they change it every time. Mm-hmm. To me, and what I said in the Discord, uh, talking with Haley and Josh a little bit, to me it looks more like Red Hood's Batman symbol versus yeah. traditional what we see in Batman. Not that that matters at all. Like I'm not offended by that, but I just thought it was a weird... Uh, take on for like an early Batman to have an armorish techish kind of suit seems um a little opposite than what I would have expected. I would expect like a low tech Batman as he's just starting out versus walking in and, and being, you know, suited to the nines. But I thought it kind of looked like a, a Leatherman because <laughs> uh, it has like these weird little like raised portions that sort of look like armor or something, Mm -hmm. but it kind of reminds me of like how you clip a Leatherman on your belt or something. Yep. Yep. Um, Not to say I don't like it. I I do like it. Uh, Yeah. It's kind of hard to tell because it could go both ways. It could be like kind of high tech or it could be kind of low tech armory. It kind of just depends on how it's like, does it move? Is it like Iron Man and it's all, you know, scaled and form fitting and flexible or, or what is whatever it is. I do think it's interesting how the cowl kind of always changes with yes. the person who's wearing it. Like, I know it has to be molded to their head, but when you see a, a drawing or a drawing of Batman, it always um, kind of looks very similar. But then you see it on a real human and it always fits the shape of their head and you can kind of tell who's under it. Like, yep. if you know who it is, you're like, oh, yeah, that's Christian Bale or uh robert patrickson or whatever his <laughs> name is <laughs> so yeah I, I do you could immediately tell it was him uh after it got past the jaw so i like okay. it though very red yeah oh yeah it was very red um but then his other question was oh and what's the nicest thing a stranger ever did for you hmm. I think the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me is one time somebody either one time somebody paid for my fast food, uh, which was a while ago, actually, or mm. more recently when somebody somebody gave me their cart in Aldi without me giving them the quarter that you usually have to give to <laughs> to get a cart out. I, I'm just as sad as you there. Like, I was trying to think of, like, the nicest thing a stranger did for me. And the Aldi's cart thing, that happens all the time. But I also do it to other people, too. Yeah, I try um, to do it as well. Right. And then um, surprisingly, I've never had that experience of like even at like a coffee shop or like, oh, the person paid for you. Like I've never had that happen. Really? But I hear stories about it all the time and I'm like, where are these people? Because that doesn't happen to me <laughs> ever. Um, so probably the nice thing, though, is like if I'm in a store rushing to pick something up and you get to the registers, like not enough registers or whatever. And like 
the person in front of you sees you only have a couple things, and they're like, oh, you go. Like, that's oh, probably the nice that. thing. Like, yeah, I love it, too, because I'm like, oh, thank you, because I'm not standing here, you know, for 10 minutes. Not that I mind. Like, I'm not standing in line, like, fuming, like, staring at them, like, oh, my God, how could you? Yeah, you just show up. I just, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to have to wait. And they're like, hey, do you want to go? I'm like, really? They're like, no, it's okay. Like, no, 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 go ahead. I'm like, all right, thank you so much. Like, and I just, you know, take it. Like, that happens to me a lot, and I, I enjoy that, because I... I like being the guy who does that because, like, in Aldi, people forget to grab anything and so they have all this crap in their hands and you're just like, dude, you've got, like, five jars of peanut butter. Just go. (laughs) (laughs) But wait, first, what are you doing with five jars of peanut butter? (laughs) Yes, and why are some of them crunchy and some of them smooth? Like, you would think it would just be all the same. What are you doing? That's true. Get it figured out. Yeah. So thank you, gentlemen, for sending your questions. We appreciate that. And if you want to ask us a weird question... Feel free to hit us up in the Discord or on Twitter if you'd like at PSVG Kevin. You can send them to me or tag us in Discord or post it in the PSVG Prime section, whatever you want to do. But we appreciate it. It gives us something else to talk about besides video games. Yes. But we do need to go back to talk about video games, Lucas. So it's time to check out the news of the week. This week in Play Some Video Game News. E3 is coming. If you didn't know, Lucas, it's coming. Yes. And no one's going to be there. Yeah. We plan this huge house party idea around it. And now everyone's just bailing from E3. Um, but the official E3 exhibitor list leaks. We think it's official at least, but it, it's around the same time we'd start seeing the floor pan- plans and everything. So it makes sense. Okay. Um, but it confirming that multiple major game companies are attending the event, like Activision, Bethesda, Epic, uh, Take-Two, Ubisoft. But Jeff Keighley and the host of the E3 Coliseum, which was a series of different panel interviews and presentations that's been going since 2017, says he's dropped out. So he's been attending and covering E3 for the past 25 years, and he's also the organizer and presenter of the Game Awards that we talk about every December. Um, Issued a statement today. For the past 25 years, I've attended every E3 Expo. Uh, covering, hosting, and sharing E3 has been a highlight of my year, not to mention a defining part of my career. I've debated what to say about E3 2020. While I want to support the developers who will showcase their work, I also need to be open and honest with you, the fans, about precisely what to expect from me. I have made the difficult decision to decline to produce E3 Coliseum. For the first time in 25 years, I will not be participating in E3. So That's going to be a weird feeling. Right. So that's out. Sony is not exhibiting anything for the second year in a row. Um, EA has made arrangements to have their events somewhere else for the past couple of years. Um, Phil Spencer confirmed that Microsoft will be there, but they're not on the list of exhibitors. But they said they'd be Mm. shaking things up this year. So it seems really weird. Um, The E3 website is due to go live. well, it's live now uh, for public tickets for people to purchase. Uh, it used to cost around 250 for a three-day pass. Um, runs from June 9th to June 11th. But it, I, I don't know who's going to be there. So the, the people that are on this list is uh, Activision, Amazon, Game Studios, which is weird because they don't really have much. <laughs> uh, Bandai Namco, Bethesda, Capcom, Epic, Calypso Media Group, which I don't know what that is, to be honest. They're uh, the ones who make um, the that island game where you play as the dictator and you have to... Um... Oh, Tropico? Yeah, Tropico. Okay. Thank you. Gosh, it escaped me. Uh, NCSoft, uh, RDS Industries, Sega, Square Enix, Take-Two, uh, Tencent will be there. Uh, THQ Nordic, Ubisoft, of course. Uh, Unnamed VR. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Warner Brothers okay. Interactive. 
be able to get that Batman game finally. Uh, and Exceed games are there. So that also alludes that there's no Nintendo. Um, so that's the other rumor is that Nintendo may not be participating in E3, which to me, I feel like they'll still 100% do a treehouse because they've done that in the past where they haven't actually physically been at E3, but they've still done a showcase for E3. Yeah. Um, so I'm not afraid that they're not going to have something. There will be something. They just may not have stuff playable for people. So why spend the money if you're just going to have, you know, playable games that are already out? You know, like, do they need Animal Crossing to be there playable at E3? No. Probably not. Game comes out in March. Uh, do they have a playable version of Breath of the Wild 2 or whatever that's going to be called? Probably not. Is, can you, can I play Metroid Prime 4? Nope. So what's the point of spending the money in the space? So, I mean, things can change, but as of right now, it doesn't look promising for E3 as an event, uh, a physical event anymore. It seems to be on the decline. Like we talked about a lot last year, we're saying, what does E3 look in the future? We've had questions about that. Um, it looks like we may have to figure that out sooner than later if this keeps going on where people may still do something around the same time of year to kind of showcase games. But E3, as we know it, may be chipping away. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is the most important on this list that's available so far? Like if they if they were to step out, it would be a huge loss or the biggest loss, I guess. I, I'm going to say Ubisoft. Yeah, that's a pretty and, big one. And I mean, just because they typically do a big showcase and I mean, yes, this past year was a weird situation where they announced like everything and it's supposed to be coming out and none of it came out yet. That <laughs> typically doesn't happen with them, though. So that's not yeah. a commonplace occurrence. But any studio that comes in and showcases, you know, five to ten triple A games that are coming out before the next E3, that's kind of a big deal. So if you pull them out. Um, Money-wise, though, I, I think Microsoft. If Microsoft decides they're not going to do it, I, I don't know how much longer it can go on for unless they really lower the costs for these things and make it open to more indie developers. Like if Chucklefish shows up and has a booth, you know, things like that, you know, Yacht Club Games, you know, Shovel Knight shows up. Like if they make it that type of opportunity, maybe they can keep it going. But I think the big hitters that are left – are your Bethesda, your Ubisoft, like those are the ones that typically have games that come out every year and more than one, you know, some of these other ones like Sega, Sega is still a air quotes, big name, but they typically don't do a ton of releases a year, but right. Bethesda and Ubisoft still pump out a lot. THQ Nordic does as well, but not a lot of their stuff is really triple a quality. So it's true. It's true. Wow. Yeah. yeah might not be around much longer. <laughs> Better get that house party out of the way now. <laughs> That, yeah, yeah, or find a different event to to uh, <laughs> schedule it around. Um, speaking of Chucklefish, uh, so Stardew Valley creator would like everyone to please calm down. Kevin, calm yourself down. Now, did he sing the Taylor Swift song as he was doing it though? Uh, you well, calm down. You're being too loud. Uh, he he may have written it out in text form because this was on Twitter, so. Oh, you can't sing. Okay. Can't sing on Twitter. No, he's not on TikTok, as far as I know. Ah. Um. Yeah. So, creator Eric, concerned ape, Barone, Barone, Barboni. We're not sure. Uh, <laughs> said on Twitter, he's working on two new projects. Those being a non-farming game set in Stardew Valley, uh, or Stardew Valley game world, and another less defined game that would also tie in some way to Stardew Valley. Um. And there was so much uproar to these tweets that Barone, Baroni, 
also asked everyone after, like the day after, to dial it back. He said, quote, I see this is blowing up and there are articles coming out, etc. All I ask is please don't get too hyped at this stage. I want to avoid too much hype or speculation. I'd like to just make whatever game comes naturally to me without too much pressure or expectation. I'm not setting out to make the next indie smash hit. I just want to make another game that I enjoy and am happy with and to share some of my art and ideas with the world. If it becomes popular, I will be happy, but it's not my focus. Uh, I remember reading in uh, Jason Schreier's book, I think it was, the Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, yep, yep. about how like how much he was affected by his game development and how like personal he took a lot of what happened. And I guess I'm not really surprised that he would take this stance. But my question is, since these games are all years away, anyways. D- d- how do you feel about a statement like this? Because obviously, like a big development company isn't going to be like Square Enix isn't going to be like, all right, pump the brakes. You know, <laughs> do you think this is a good idea? Like, it's so weird. Well, so and this I immediately went to panic mode because I saw these tweets, but I didn't think too much about it. And I've been excited for that game that was teased last year that we actually saw some stuff from that Witchbrook, which was like mm. basically Harry Potter set in what appeared to be. Uh, a Stardew Valley type thing. So it was announced by Chucklefish, but Barone is not Chucklefish per se. Right. So that's the thing is if Chucklefish is, is working on these things, then that's one thing. But he is one guy, I believe, that did Stardew Valley by himself. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, if he's messing around with some other stuff, you, you kind of can't get too excited about it because that's probably a long ways away from being a reality. Now, if he uses some of the same assets saying, you know, okay, this other game is set in Stardew Valley, that might speed it up a little bit. But the amount of time he spent working on Stardew Valley alone, you, know, you think like the multiplayer patch just came out, what, less than six months ago. So he's still yeah. been working on Stardew Valley currently. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a while, like I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think I understand how he could say calm down is in like, don't expect anything time soon, but I don't think it's necessarily the right message to be like don't be excited about what i'm working on because that's that's probably a mistake but yeah but i panicked so i initially thought that like wait he's, he abandoned witchbrook but come to find out he he was the one making it so I'm like okay good yeah it his his relationship with chucklefish seems kind of weird because they sort of took him under his wing to help him it seems like yeah, yeah. but they don't necessarily he like he doesn't work for them necessarily so right yeah yeah it is weird, but yeah, I just thought it was kind of, but it does go to show you that if you're an indie developer, you can kind of, the game is different for you. Basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's like getting a nasty tweet from Wendy's. You just take it. <laughs> That's true. But if Square Enix tells you to shut up and stop complaining about Final Fantasy VII being multiple games, essentially, then yeah, that's not good. That's not good. Um, the infamous Nintendo PlayStation prototype is on... The news docket again, Lucas, and we've seen this before. We saw it was discovered, um, but now they're putting it up for auction. So bidding has yeah. begun on it. The fabled prototype uh, opening offers now are at more than thirty thousand dollars. I believe it's over one hundred and fifty thousand now. The the bids are starting to take now, um, but it's expected to sell for much much more when the auction actually ends next month. So it's being handled. Um, by uh shoot who's the company the heritage auctions is the one auctioning off it um so they're taking bids right now via email via app via 
believe it or not, physical mail. They made a point to say fax. <laughs> um, but what's going to happen is that the uh, the unit will be auctioned at noon on March 6th. They'll be taking more bids at that point from phone, mail, fax, internet, as well as live on the auction's floor. Now, last year, the seller was offered $1.2 million from a buyer in Norway, and they turned it down. Whoa. So... Who knows how hard this is, how high this is going to go? Um, Heritage Auctions in the past, uh, in November, sold their rare copy of Mega Man, the original one, for $75,000. Um, oh my gosh. The sealed copy of uh, Super Mario Bros. pulled in $100,000. Um, so they've done this type of thing before, but this obviously is the biggest piece and, and quite frankly, might be the rarest, most valuable piece of gaming uh, history out there that's available but you're gonna have to cough up that money so uh when you put it in your bid there buddy well but what are the games for it like you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) it plays it's backwards compatible with all sony and nintendo games oh cool that's why it's connected to the internet yeah that's why it's the nintendo playstation oh nice nice uh i don't know i'll chip in a few bucks i'll get everyone from the office to group together to make one like when you do the lottery yeah Yeah, and then we'll just trade it off on weekends or something maybe maybe we should start a kickstarter to purchase this Ooh, i like it it's like a trophy yeah yeah i like it i like it um yeah so quantum dream is opening up the door to the possibility of more pc releases as they move to self-publishing and that's that's Quantic Dream, everybody. Quantic, yeah, not, not Quantum not quantum. Dream. That's, that's different. I realized it after I said it. I'm like, wait a minute. Because you have that look on your face. And I'm like, oh, no, I said something dumb. I had to double check myself. I'm like, but that doesn't sound right. And I had to look. That's why. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyways, it, this is journalism. We don't have to be accurate. That's it's true. not. Uh, it's not, uh, they're not owned by Sony, but the no. three previous releases, Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, and Detroit Become Human, were published by Sony and until quite recently, basically exclusive to PlayStation consoles. They have come to PC now, mm-hmm. but I mean, for Heavy Rain, that's how much, how long after the fact? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, that was a PS three game early ps3 game yeah so uh they can now publish their own games meaning they can make their decisions with total independence they also are hoping to assist other studios with investment and development support for the pc this might mean uh more no more extended waits for the game so we could see like a simultaneous release or something like that um So there's a quote here. The last two years have been exceptional. The success of Detroit Become Human, the growth of an incredible global community, the launch of our games on PC. These are just a few of our highlights. Thanks to Detroit Become Human, we've been able to realize the vision we held dear since the creation of Quantic Dream. So that was Quantic Dream. See co-CEOs David Cage and Guillaume Guillaume D. Fandumier. Like, I like it. I'm just gonna assume that that's sounds correct. like a I'm not gonna correct you on that one. It does. Say fromage. Um, <laughs> have you played any of these games? I, I have seen. I have not. Okay, so I played a little bit of um, Heavy Rain until I found out I needed a specific controller because it was on um, PlayStation Now. And so I tried playing uh, it through that, and it didn't work. And I've seen a little bit of Detroit become human through a playthrough. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. So I know um, what they're like. Yeah, I've played all of these. I did not beat Beyond Two Souls. I don't know why. I think I like got it via Redbox or something, so I didn't play it for that long. Um, I love their storytelling. Um, the controls are still kind of you know quirky and clunky in these types of things, but on PC, yeah. I think it's a little bit easier to manage if you're not playing with a controller. I think maybe keyboard and mouse would actually work okay for these. Uh, but their storytelling is super top notch. Like I loved uh, Detroit Become Human. I thought it was a fantastic uh, narrative. I know it didn't quite grab as much attention, I think, as it deserved. Uh, it is an excellent game with a great story and message behind it. But uh, yeah, it's a good thing to see their ability now to be independent. Although it kind of makes me sad because you like seeing, you know, a cool um, exclusive come through. So. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I like you said, I like their storytelling. Uh, I'm kind of almost more interested in the assist with other studios and kind of make their decisions with total independence. Maybe we'll see something a little bit different or, mm. you know, maybe they can assist a different studio with coming out with something that might be a little bit different than uh, their typical. So, yeah, okay. makes sense. Um, last story that I have then is, uh, as we know, Mixer has made a big move over the past year, getting people to leave Twitch and sign exclusive deals with them. Obviously, the biggest one was Ninja. You have Shroud. You have King uh, uh over the past year. Uh, but the streaming service is having trouble increasing its audience. So it turns out um, the number of hours watched, which is basically the key benchmark that all of these things you know tout, the Facebook Live, YouTube gaming, all that stuff. Um, was up less than 2% in January on Mixer Oof. from a year earlier. So all that money, bringing these big people, only 2% more growth. Now, the number for Facebook gaming quadrupled, but oh. the live streaming industry as a whole saw an increase of almost 46%. So Mixer has two. The entire industry averaged 46. That's kind of crazy that Mixer only gained that little bit when I thought people were digging it. But... I, I don't know. The industry is still being dominated by Twitch. Uh, Mixer and other platforms are looking to get a bigger foothold. But everyone thought when Ninja left that it was going to make a change. But it looks like that it's not necessarily doing it, at least not yet. Um, they say, you know, analysts are predicting some of it will probably go up a little bit because we're looking at new video game consoles this year, which always gets the interest in gaming as a culture um, raised anyway, so more people are interested in it. That might increase some views there, and depending on what Microsoft's plans are as far as integration and ease of use and whatnot, then maybe that can grow. But uh, as of right now, it looks like all the money they spent is not quite worth it. Mm. I guess it was an interesting experiment, but I guess it shows that people don't necessarily follow the the celebs, so to speak. Or, yeah. sorry, influencers or whatever <laughs> we're supposed to call them. Um yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really that surprised. It's easy to say that hindsight being 2020, but I don't know. It doesn't seem big enough for one person to really bring over that massive of an audience. Mm -hmm. It is weird, though. I, I feel like Mixer is I mean, Facebook games. Ugh. Apparently that's better. big uh, in the Far East. They watch oh. a lot of stuff there. Like I don't know anybody in the U.S. that does that, but apparently it's it's huge over there. But yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, well, I don't do anything on Mixer, so what does that tell you? And I'm like the most important person I know. <laughs> it's true. You're still on Twitch. That's all that matters. You can't see VR and Mixer. That's true. That's true. 
Actually, it's not. You can, but no, it they exclusivity deal. Oh, oh. <laughs> we've noticed you're using a VR headset. You can't stream here. Go We're away. just going to show a cat video instead of your stream. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, speaking of cat videos, how about the cat video of companies? Let's talk. <laughs> what? I don't know. Let's talk. As a professional segue, let's okay. talk Disney. All right. You, we both wanted to talk Disney, so we had a fight. It's true. And I won. You did. So I get to talk about it. Uh, Disney wants to develop or wants developers to come and play with its properties. Now, what does that mean? At the uh, 2020 Dice Summit, Disney's senior VP for games and interactive experiences, Sean Shaptaw, said he wants to, quote, empower developers to do really unique things with Disney's huge list of properties. And it is a huge list. Um so Disney moved away from directly producing its own games in 2016 with the closing of Disney Interactive Studios and the demise of the ill-fated Disney Infinity. Um, this new approach has been inspired by some notable re- recent successes with Disney properties, uh, Insomniac, Spider-Man, and Jedi Fallen Order in particular are named by Shaptaw, who says he wants games that take a Disney property and reimagine it in new ways. Um so Disney's old approach of having great control over games using its stories or character characters has also caused friction with uh, people like Square Enix. Thanks to their Kingdom Hearts series, series lead Tetsuya Nomura said in an interview with U.S. Gamer that it had become increasingly difficult to get approvals from Disney, particularly in how the games use recent films like Frozen and Tangled. So... It seems like basically they want to loosen that up. And when they have, uh, the results have been great. Monolith's Tron 2.0, which I never played, actually. Have you? Did you play Tron no. 2.0? That, no. That's a while ago. Was an excellent continuation of the series before Legacy arrived seven years later. The Epic Mickey games continue to be some Those of the most good. visually fascinating games out there, if not the best to play. I heard the second one wasn't as good as the first no, one. No, first one was better. Yeah. But they look cool. Yeah. Uh, as recently as last year, the X-Men filled Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 launched to decent reviews as well. So, I mean, what I'm saying is that Cars 3 career mode game that I had right. an idea for. Hello, Disney, hit me up. I mean, it, do something like that or, you know, Disney Infinity without selling the toys. Like, th- those would still be good. I'm all for it, although I don't want it to become like, hey, anybody can pick up the license and use it. Like, I think they still need to have some kind of control to say, okay, some quality control, I guess, over it. Or yeah. something different. Like, you don't want to just be like, okay, now... Every fighting game has, you know, Elsa from Frozen in it. Like it does, it does. <laughs> Dude, she, that'd be she uses sweet. ice powers. She's a Mortal Kombat as a DLC character. Yeah, she's like uh, Sub Zero, basically. Right. So I mean, it's like things like that. Like I get it, but like looking at the most recent successes has been Spider Man and Jedi Fallen Order, which are both original stories. So I guess if you take a a known character and apply something new to it without changing what has been done, it's okay. Um, and I think like certain certain examples are great. Like Epic Mickey is very different than any other Mickey Mouse game, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're joking, but like the Cars Three thing, like I, I I'd be for that. Like you could totally do that. Customize your own, create your own car character. Like and just go. Like it could be done. Like you look at it, like why is that not a feasible thing? Um, so yeah, I like it. I just don't want it to be like you look at EA. So like Jedi Fallen Order was good, 
but that's really been the only thing that they've done that's been good with the Star Wars franchise, and EA's had it for like a decade now. So it's yeah, yeah. It, it took a long time to get there, so I think it's it's more of like they need to still be careful about it and, and what they do. Like the Kingdom Hearts thing, I get his frustration. It's not so much that like, hey, we don't want you using a property. It's like, okay, well, certain characters don't make sense in a game all about fighting. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's so true. they have to be kind of careful. It's like, okay, you put Jack Sparrow, no problem. That makes sense. But, you know, you start taking, like, Monsters University characters. Doesn't necessarily make sense. Like, they make people laugh. <laughs> so why You know what fighting? would be awesome? Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers oh, detective game. My God. <laughs> Do it. Do it right now. Why am I not making games? It's as easy as just coming up with ideas. and then Maybe you, maybe you could right? do that in Dreams. Like when I go to bed? No, no, on PlayStation. Oh, oh. But I heard there's a huge learning curve to that game. I don't know yet. <laughs> I guess we'll I'll find out. I'll let you out. know next week. I'll try and make that Chippendale Detective game in the meantime. <laughs> nice. Please do. And then, and then Disney will sue me. <laughs> Can't be. I, was the Nintendo one good or bad? I don't I remember. liked it. I liked it. The platformers were good. There was two of them. Um, but the DuckTales game, the Chippendale, Darkwing Duck games, like those were all good ones, I think. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Go back to your, your roots, Disney. Make Nintendo games is what we're saying. Works for Shovel Knight. Why not? It's true. That game's been coming out for like five years. It's true. It's still coming out. <laughs> now, that's a Kickstarter. Getting like decades worth of games out of that. That's true. Um, yeah. Take that, Waterfall 101. Oh, you're releasing the same game? Oh. <laughs> Nobody even cares anymore. That's true. Um, what do you say? What do you say we wrap this thing up? Okay. Okay. I, I, yeah. Why not? Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Paper, not plastic. We're eco friendly here. Um, if you want to follow me, you can head over to Twitter at PSVG Kevin. Head over to the website PSVG.blog to find all the things we do the Twitches, the Discords, the Patreons, whatever you want to do. Go get all the details there. Lucas, where can people get more of you? Because they just can't get enough. Ooh. Just can't get enough. Uh, I am on Twitter at heavy metal underscore riff. Riff, not rift. Riff. Yes. Uh, not rift because that would have made more sense, but I can't. You ever think about this. changing it? Jason changed his. I know, but now I can't because then I just look like I'm, you know, copying Jason. But yes, I have thought about changing it. <laughs> um, Although I will say it is very nice because I never have to add any numbers to it or anything anytime I sign up for something where I need like an, a username. So that's true. So don't steal my name. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I'm also on the PSVG Discord, having lots of fun over there, posting VR in the PC space and making everyone who doesn't have VR mad. I do want to say thanks to Donnie because of our excited VR talk, like we were, you know, back on the playground. I started playing more games, you know, the humble bundle came out. I was like, Oh, I gotta have it. I'm going to play these things. So that's a lot of fun. And uh, other than that, I do flux to post on the side or For... is this on the side? Hmm. I don't know. You have what? Three more episodes. left. <laughs> that's up to Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He said it was up to you. I'll just show up until the, uh, the doors are closed and locked forever. And my you, you just stand there one work. day and you're like, you're, you're ready to record by yourself. And just Jason yeah. never shows up. You're like, well, oh, I guess we're done. <laughs> one lone tear just trickles down your cheek. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. Fair enough. Fair enough. But as always, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for telling a friend. And if you didn't tell a friend, why not tell them? We got to grow this thing. What if they don't have friends? Well, then we'll be your friends in the discord. And then you can tell those people about how much you love PSVG. Because even if you're not bringing new people, 
we're egotistic. We like when you tell us we're great and how entertaining we are. We're fine with that. At least on PSVG Prime. I'm totally sure. for it. It's yes, fine. I agree. You could say, hey, this is the funniest show on the network. We know. But we still like it when you say it. It's my love language, actually. It's true. It's true. So, as we say to everybody, unless you're stricken with the coronavirus, we ask, as always, that you never... Stop. <coughs> oh, my God. Kevin, are you okay? Gaming. Did you go to China? This has been a PSVG production. Any music, sound effects, or the like is owned by their respective copyright holders. No infringement is intended. The views expressed in this production are those of the individual contributor and may not necessarily reflect PSVG. This production may not be repurposed, reused, or redistributed without the express written consent of PSVG. PSVG is powered by patrons at patreon.com PSVG. Become a patron to get special perks, including access to exclusive content.